Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Let's get to our guest now. Hao Chongguan is Managing Director and Head of Asian Fixed Income at Principal Asset Management, joining us from Singapore. I was reading an analyst note uh, from AlphaTri, and they said, it's as if investors came to a haunted house and got handy, but candy, excuse me, but once they unwrapped it, they saw it was soggy broccoli. What did you view from uh, J-Pal, and, and when do we get the candy rather than the soggy broccoli? <laughs> Uh, we can't get away from Halloween, isn't it? <laughs> Morning, <laughs> Juliet. Thanks, thanks for having me today. Uh, I, I think we got away two things uh, from uh, from Powell yesterday. One is is that the peak rates may have to be higher, and and two, we're bringing the markets back to where it was previously thinking of a pause. You can see SPX is now back to where it was on the twenty first of October. Peak rates are now above five percent, and I think the market is is taking it uh, very clearly that. Powell wants to shift from the pace of tightening to the peak rate. Okay, and in terms of, of getting to that peak rate, I mean, the other key factor is how much of a downturn do we see? Do we see a global recession? Your view here, and if there is going to be some kind of recession, how deep is it? I mean, what we're seeing are some signs of soft data that, that's already turning, right? Uh, housing sector, the interest rate sensitive sectors, housing KPEX, uh, uh, investments, uh, even some part of consumer sentiment are turning. But what we have on the hot data side in the US has has come in fairly strong. Uh, we're seeing the labor markets still fairly strong for now, uh, and, and we're not seeing it turn dramatically. And and I think what we have here, as, as Powers mentioned yesterday, was that you know the the it's it's becoming a narrower and narrower path as as the interest rate hikes are, are setting in, and we have more on the way, right? While we're bringing it to four percent now, there is still at least uh, seventy five to hundred basis points that's being priced in the market. So I I think this amount of hikes pricing will put further pressure on the economy, and and, and as we know, mm -hmm, hmm. sorry, Juliet, uh, just between. U.S. and outside of the world, we can already see pressures outside of, of the U.S. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of those pressures are coming in living costs, right? And I know you note here about at rents and, the, and there's a long lag there too. Uh, the tightness of the labour market too, what does that mean for wages and the impact there? 
I think what what we're seeing in the weight wages, they're, they're kind of a bipolar market. What we're seeing is that the top quartile are seeing much less increases than the to- uh, bottom quartile. And and this is this is a function of the COVID reopening. This is a function of the lower participation rate. And But the Fed will have to kind of take the wage increases as a whole. Uh, monetary policy uh, it cannot be that pointed. It's somewhat blunt. And mm. it has to look at wages increases uh, as a whole. And, and that in itself is still increasing. So we are looking at the global macro picture that we've discussed about. What does that mean then for the outlook for Asia's fixed income markets? I think the the pressures of the dollar will, will continue to weigh on many parts of Asia. But what we have in Asia is that the inflation picture, while it's rising, is somewhat less uh, aggressive than what we're seeing in the US, which means that central banks do have some room uh, to not go one for one while they have to hike, they, they may not need to go one on one with the Fed. We did see, I guess, a, a bit of a pivot coming through from the RBA with that 25 basis point hike and, and suggestions that they could be starting to slow their pace. Do you see, uh, I guess, a little bit more of that happening through from some of the central banks in Asia? We've just had the Bank of Philippines give a pretty good forward guidance too, though. They have said, though, that they'll be raising by 75 basis points at their November meeting. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's definitely pressures uh, more outside of the U.S. than, than in the U.S., uh, partly because of the way the economies are, are behaving. The U.S. economy is still fairly strong uh, in, in the labor markets and domestic economy, whereas the, the, the rest of the world is feeling more pressures. But what I'll say about Australia and, and particularly Canada and what we saw in DOC and RBA uh, are the sensitivities of their housing market. Uh, to front end rates uh, because their mortgages mortgage rates are somewhat shorter and and that's why they are they're much more sensitive so i think there are case by case uh situations in these as well and then in Asia, we have uh, the two central banks that are certainly not hiking when we look mm-hmm. at the BOJ and also the PBOC. Uh, it is a holiday mm-hmm. in Japan. There is speculation, though, or I guess speculation that we should be on intervention watch here in the wake of that hawkish Fed. What happens here? When do we see yield curve control potentially unwinding? I think our, our base case is that, you know, the, the BOJ remains fairly determined to, to want to kind of maintain where they are given Japan has been going through many, many years of very low inflation. And, and this is their way to kind of get back to, to where they could be previously. And and I think there's certainly a lot of talk about the, the governor stepping down. And when there's a shift in, in leadership, there might be there might be something there. Uh, I, I, our base case doesn't change, but I, I think we have to be prepared for, for one thing that's not really being priced in, in Japan at this point. And uh, you're looking at some of the moves in the currencies too. I mean, we've been looking at this very sharp depreciation of the Chinese yuan. And then, of course, we know that the yen week too. Tell us why you're going long yen versus CNY. Well, I, I, I think that was a, uh, an idea if we had in mind what would be a sort of a contrarian trade, like like what we said about what we think about BOJ. The base case mm. is, is that they'll maintain the YCC. But if 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 there is a chance that they'd go the other way, I, I think the, the yen could be an opportunity uh, being long there. And and towards what we are seeing in, in China, that the story is highly idiosyncratic. Uh, the, the, the story around the rain depreciation, if, if you look at it on a trade-weighted basis, it hasn't hasn't been done, especially more way more than what we see in other 
parts of Asia. But what we're seeing now in China, the story about the potential flows and, and outflows given uh, what we're seeing in, in recent days, uh, that the idea of going long yen, uh, CNY, is, is something that's worth considering, just given the idiosyncratic on, of story of, of China on one side on flows and mm. also the underpriced sort of uh, uh, story for yen. And just a very quick comment on on where would be an attractive place to look at China if we are looking at the reopening theme here too. Yeah, I, I think China for us, uh, at this stage, the macro picture, we don't think it will shift dramatically. We are awaiting for some of the major policy actions to come through into the end of the year. Uh, the political shifts uh, and transition have happened. Now we want to kind of wait out for the policies. All right. Great to have you with us. Hao Chang-wan is Managing Director and Head of Asian Fixed Income at Principal Asset Management on the line from Singapore for us here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.